Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first podcast in Upstream's new Uplift series. I'm Prema Gurunathan, Managing Director of Upstream. Upstream is a partnership between Hammersmith and Fulham Council and Imperial College London. We are a product of a local industrial strategy jointly published by these two organisations. Our work is very much driven by the belief that strong local networks, that is, relationships between people in a geographical area, can facilitate collaboration, learning, and critically, they can also accelerate the growth of organizations and places themselves. Our vision, which is shared by college and council, is to turn Hammersmith and Fulham into a destination for ambitious science, tech and creative organisations with a thriving ecosystem and with White City at the epicentre of an inclusive innovation district. Since 2018, we have connected, supported and shone a light on the science, tech and creative sectors. And with this in mind, the Uplift podcast brings together two organisations as we seek to break down barriers and make new connections, whether it is between a biotech startup and a creative agency, people based in the same building, across the road or on opposite ends of what, of, what is actually a very, very long and thin borough. We're recording this just before Easter, before the Easter weekend, and there is a possibility that in a few months we're going to be back in our offices almost properly. Um, so the podcast is dedicated to those of you who feel it has been a long time since you experienced those delightful, uplifting vignettes that you'd gain from a chat in the lift or just eavesdropping on someone else's conversation. In anticipation of a return to the office, Uplift aims to mimic those lift rides without the awkward sentences, uh, silences, or at least we hope so. So this morning, I'm delighted to have with us Bethany McDonald Shepherd of Lambda and John Simpson of Fresh Check. I'm going to introduce them and get down to business shortly, but what you need to know is they have never met, either virtually or in person. Uh, for Beth Bethany first, she is Head of Social and Charitable Innovation at Lambda, which is the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts in Hammersmith, and response, which is responsible for training the likes of Leah Harvey, Natasha Shivers, Benedict Cumberjetch, and Chiwetel Ejiofor. At Lambda, Bethany's responsibilities include major grants, knowledge exchange, enterprise, access and widening participation. Uh, prior to this, she held corporate roles in theatre, including the Bush Theatre in Shepherd's Bush. She started off as a scenic artist in New York and then London. She's trained in the theatre herself, first at the University of Vermont, as and is in fact a Lambda graduate herself. Our other guest this morning is John, who is co-founder and CTO at Fresh Check. John completed his PhD in Chemical Biology of Health and Diseases at Imperial College and did chemistry with medicinal sciences at Southampton for, before this for his undergrad. He has experience managing lab groups in Singapore and the UK and having spent time with uh, quality assurance managers assessing health and safety techniques, John's work has helped show that Fresh Check's products are scientifically sound and easy to use, which is really important. So good morning and welcome to both of you. Oh, thanks good for morning. having us. Yes, thank you. Right, um, so let's just get down to basics first. So starting with John, uh, could you tell us a bit about your organization in two minutes and then we'll go to Bethany. 
Yeah, sure, of course. Uh, so yes, uh, thank you for the introduction. Uh, so what we do here at FreshCheck is try and find new ways to confirm cleanliness. So as mentioned, my background is in chemistry and chemical biology. Uh, even though in my PhD, I was looking more at uh, human tissues and samples and doing a lot with lung disease. Um, FreshCheck was something we did on the side as part of a sort of innovative project and sort of keep on tinkering and keeping that sort of scientific mindset. And so what we have is a chemistry that changes color in the presence of contamination. So our first product, which was the Fresh Jake spray, <clears throat> I brought one with me. Uh, what it does is you can spray it onto a surface and if there's anything there, such as bacteria or food residues or anything that you basically don't want to have on a surface, it will change from purple to a green or an orange color. Um, so it's a really simple and easy way for uh, basically anyone to be able to show that they are cleaning and feeling comfortable and confident that they have cleaned to a high level of safety. Um, and right now what we're working on in the lab is a new product, which is a swab version. So uh, basically take it out of the sheath, swab an area, and then as you can see at the top here, you have the fresh check there, so you can snap it down. And it will, uh, this is obviously not going to change color because it's a fresh swab. But um, if there was nothing dirty, this area here would change color to let you know that you need to need to reclean. So it's just a, a new way to be able to make sure that everyone feels safe going back to the office or going to restaurants or even just preparing sandwiches in their factory. Thank you, John. So this is obviously radio, so you can't see what he's shown us, but it's pretty dark point. nifty. <laughs> um, thank you, John. Bethany, over to you. Yes, yeah, so, uh, so Lambda is, of course, based in Hammersmith and Fulham. We are a specialist and vocational higher education provider in the performing arts. Uh, so we offer degree programs in acting and technical theater. Uh, but we also have an exams division, which is our commercial arm of our business. And that's where we offer qualifications to people of all ages in performance and communication. And so we do that in over 35 countries. Uh, we work a lot with the independent school sector and we're really exploring the role of drama and well-being and how that could help uh, state schools at the moment. Uh, and these qualifications are great for job interviews. They can give, um, they provide UCAS points at the level three qualification. And overall, people really uh, say that they really boost self-esteem and their creative thinking and give them an empowering voice. So um, as you pointed out, Prima, along with training some of the most high profile performers and technicians and designers uh, that, that you would know in the theater and film and TV industry, we also have um, a very successful qualifications division, which operates all across the world. I think there's one thing, you know, both of you have a version of creativity in the work you do. And I was just wondering whether we could talk about it and how you might each define it in your professional fields. Um, and, and perhaps we can see where the conversation goes from then. Bethany, I wondered whether you might want to pick up on that first. Sure. So um, obviously being um, a drama school in the performing arts, creativity is at the heart of everything we do. Um, it is, if you, if you want me to describe what that is, I'd say it's, uh, it's about self-expression. It's about innovation um, and uh, create a self-created empowerment of ideas. Um, and it's about problem solving. Uh, and I'd say that 
what we do at Lambda in terms of implementing creativity is developing stories that really reflect the world. So we're showcasing new ideas, addressing social challenges. Uh, we're developing the cultural capital of our students and graduates. And at the heart of that is our ensemble training. And so we, we really believe in the bringing together of, of people with their own unique um, ideas and skills, but working together as a team to create the most interesting work. Thank you. And I think, you know, whatever we, however we define creativity, I think, you know, whether it's drawing or anything, it's, it's actually, the, the common thread is very much problem solving, isn't it? And John, I wonder what your, you know, uh, professional experience of creativity, what is it for a scientist? Yeah, no, um, it's exactly that, I think. A lot of um, science and research um, is grounded in a sort of common goal or a common problem, uh, typically. And so it is about creative problem solving. It's about, uh, you know, taking scientific experience and your own experiences. Science right now is very diverse. It's, it's no longer just going, I study cancer or Alzheimer's. It's studying a very specific niche of that part. But um, being able to sort of take what you have learned, especially at sort of a PhD level, uh, you really do start to get an idea of going, well, actually my team hasn't had this experience in, uh, you know, DNA binding, but I do have that. So it's trying to marry your ideas and concepts with the wider community. Uh, typically that's, um, you know, within a lab group or a research group um, and going forward into sort of more of the imperial areas. That's sort of my experience at the very least. And being able to take what you know and trying to find new ways that you can interpret it and package it to help someone else out. So it is a lot about that creative problem solving. It's about finding new ways to fix the same issue. It's what we did here at FreshCheck 2. Um, what we found was there is a lot of scientific research into certain ways of doing something. And we went, well, well, actually, no one's really thought about doing it in this way. So we think that we can do something. That's kind of how, uh, you know, the sort of snowball started rolling and getting bigger for us here at FreshCheck. Um, the other way I see it as well, I think is for important for scientists, and it's really being nurtured a lot more in Imperial, is ways to be able to so show and communicate science in a far easier way to uh, allow anyone to access it. I think one of the big sort of issues you can find with scientific papers is that they are very much technical in nature, which is important, obviously. But when you want to really communicate it to a wider audience and explain what you've done, you have to get quite creative as to how you are communicating your, your research. So for me, for example, I go, oh, I did my PhD in COPD looking at FOXO1 transcription factors and how they interact in the lung tissue. And that's someone who's never really looked at transcription factors, let alone a specific one, it doesn't really mean much. So you have to learn and be creative as to how you're going to really sort of show and shine your science forward and allow more people to engage with it in a sort of more easier, uh, easier fashion. Thank you. I think that's that's a very interesting point, which is the, the communication of science, especially since it's a lot more. I mean, what we've seen in the last year is actually the communication of science when it's done well and when it's yeah. done very badly and when it's completely abused and misused. It's, it's very interesting. Can we talk about you two more as people? And, you know, you know, John, for you, you know, you're a scientist, how much kind of art, how much, you know, what, traditional, what I call traditional creativity, you know, did you do Lambda exams? Uh, were you, were you talkative, were you in drama class and stuff? 
No, it's, yeah, so, sadly not. It's something that um, I, I've just been too sciencey in nature. Um, I, I, I don't, I've, I've never really experienced it, but it's always been interesting uh, to me. You know, my, my sort of final qualification I had in any kind of creative science was actually in digital photography at GCSE. So it wasn't, it's been quite a while since I really uh, engaged with, um, you know, creative arts on a wider level. The most creative stuff I do at the moment is uh, paint small canvases of famous film quotes that I like to cover my walls in my flat. Uh, so that's about as far as I go in sort of traditional creativity. But, um, you know, right now in, in, in my work, it's more trying to look at, uh, you know, marketing campaigns uh, or, you know, going forward, how we're going to market ourselves and trying to find ways to really sort of, you know, bring in the wider audience. You know, normally we talk to very sort of technical level people in the food manufacturing industry and we know how to speak their language. Um, but we're sort of looking at ways to really open up and sort of go, look, what we have is a more interesting tool and can be used by a wider audience. And we're really trying to approach that now and find ways to, you know, really market that. So that's that's my sort of main point of creativity at the moment, I'd say. Painting is good. Painting is good. Very therapeutic, I think. Bethany, I wonder whether you want to come in on any of those points. And also, um, you, you obviously grew up in the States. And I wonder, you know, what have you seen of the what is creativity in you know the US curriculum and what you see out here? Well, first, uh, responding to what John was just describing, I think this is where, you know, in bringing us together, it becomes a really interesting conversation is because when he's talking about marketing campaigns and taking his very technical scientific work and turning it into something that can be communicated to a wider audience, I think that's exactly where uh, people who study the performing arts can come in. I mean, if you think about it, we're taking texts from plays that were written hundreds of years ago and trying to find something new in that. And so we're developing this, um, this ability to, to interpret and to uh, expand on and to make things fun and interesting. And that's, that's sort of the skill set that our graduates mm -hmm. really bring to the table. So um, if you need help with your marketing campaigns, I'm sure I could put you in touch with people. Um, but in terms of creativity in the United States, I mean, I'm like you, Prima, I've lived in the UK for such a long time now. Um, and I think I was really lucky in the school system that I grew up in. We had so many opportunities um, to explore drama. And then I went to the University of Vermont and had my degree in, in theater. Although I will say that that degree was very, it was practice-based, but it, there was a huge academic aspect to it. Whereas at Lambda, uh, it is, it is focused almost solely on the on the practice of it. Um, so I maybe at Lambda, I think I developed probably much more confidence in terms of the kind of work that I could produce. Whereas I had all the kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say it's boring if you're interested in the subject, but you know, like the very the theater history. I mean, you know, I studied Aristotle, Aristotle's poetics, and you know, it was kind of that that uh, framework for learning about theater. Um, arts can be a complement to almost anything. And, and that's what we are trying to develop at Lambda as well, is that it isn't just about a cultural, uh, conventional route into, you know, studying, acting, getting an agent, and then being a performer. There is so much more that those skills can, can feed into and enhance in other sectors and industries, which I know we will talk about um, mm. a bit further in, but uh, yeah. So. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, there is a definite overlap with uh, what you were saying there about studying uh, historical texts and, you know, older plays and trying to go, how do I make this, you know, more engaging and accessible to newer people and wider audiences? And it's, it's the exact same as what we're doing here or what scientists have to do in general to sort of keep, um, you know, on top of things and actually keep it more engaged. It's, it's a very similar skill set. And that I think is more uh, uh, brought forward in, in your area. And it's something that I've, I've always wanted to see more in science, uh, you know, that sort of, it should be engaged and embedded earlier on. You know, I wish it's not, I don't think it's an issue of Southampton. I think it's just coming to uh, the boil now to try and sort of go to people at a younger age and go, look, you are doing this and this is your technical expertise. And that's the important part, but you also do need to keep engaged and thinking about how you're going to progress and show this off. And it's not just science, you're gonna end up, you know, lots of scientists end up going into lots of different areas. So making sure they have a wider skill level at that point as well, is just as important. And I think uh, what you, you guys are doing at Lambda is a, a great way for people to go, oh yeah, I have got a more innovative voice or a, a more, you know, I, I can actually say this in a different way instead of going, oh, well, this is what I learned. Here it is on an exam script. I better repeat that to someone because that's not always the best way to, you know, communicate things. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree. Thank you, John. Can, can we move on to uh, the pandemic because we can't avoid it? Uh, and the question, and, and it's one of the reasons why I brought the two of you together, which, you know, the pandemic has clearly affected your work. And I just wanted to understand how it has, and perhaps the two or three critical changes or innovations you've had to implement to survive and you know what what the results has been uh, bethany do you want to go first sure um well obviously we've had to bring all of our learning online i mean and that was the biggest challenge um but around that i would say some of that thinking was already in the works. So our director, uh, Sarah Frankham, started at Lambda in uh, November 2019 and then was smacked with the pandemic shortly after she started. But she was already talking about innovative ways of learning, um, about uh, improving our health and well-being offer, um, about how to work more efficiently in exams. And so I would say what the pandemic did is really just accelerated all of that. Um, so we adapted to online learning really quickly and uh, we developed innovation around that and already we're reaching international audiences in, in different ways and we're continuing to look at how we can um, develop that and prepare our, our graduates for a very changed industry. Um, our exams department very quickly developed an online assessment model and so that's helped us work much more efficiently and actually pushes our sustainability agenda, which means we're now not sending examiners out to China, we can do it online. So that's huge as well. And then in terms of health and well-being, um, Sarah had already wanted to bring an in-house counselor on board, but we were able to move very quickly on that because we saw a real need for really getting the students through this period. So um, yeah, I mean, I think overall, if it is uh, the biggest piece of learning is it's amazing how fast you can work when you need to. And, um, and I think that we're doing pretty well as a result. Yeah, and one of the cool things I know, because we've had, we had a catch up about a couple of weeks ago was uh, the work your graduates are now doing of Audible. And I, I, are you able to say a bit more about that? Yeah, uh, well, that, that was happening before the pandemic. Um, 
but that's a really great partnership because for Audible, they were interested in working with emerging talent and they also were interested in developing younger audiences for, for their work. Um, and so we also redeveloped our um, facilities and our building a few years ago. So now we have state-of-the-art recording studios. And so it gave us an opportunity to really give our students a kind of professional, they get to go to the Audible studios when we're not in a pandemic um, as well, but they also record at Lambda and they're developing new radio plays and stories. And uh, so they're kind of getting this really uh, high quality experience professional experience really in in recording and so right there you're opening up their their skill set even further um and then audible is just excited because we've got all these new exciting performers and and even the technicians get involved as well so it's it's been a really great partnership and i think you know we'll continue working with them for a while it's, it, it is very inspirational and i think i take your point it, it the pandemic has just accelerated change. John, what has it meant for Fresh Check? Yeah, well, uh, for, for us, uh, initially, of course, there was a, a big lockdown. And, you know, being a practical scientist, that is a, a, a big step change because you're used to going to a lab and working in a practical fashion, much like you do at Lambda, of course. You know, you, that's where lots of uh, theoretical stuff is done is in person. Um, so I'm sure you know, it mirrors the same sort of issues of going, oh, right, well, we can't actually go to places anymore well how do we do this now um so yeah we we initially had to sort of shore up and uh, sort of stop everything in the lab um which really made us sort of uh, we're a very small company there's only sort of three of us two two co-founders and one employee who's in the lab so uh you know we really did suddenly go right well we've just lost about sort of 60 70 percent of our workload because we can't go and do the practical research that we had to do uh, but what it did mean was that we could focus on, um, you know, new ways of being able to start, you know, thinking about how we're going to be promoting our product, uh, even just doing timelines. I mean, lots of it was quite boring financial stuff and just sort of going, okay, how do we project forward? How are we going to survive this pandemic? Because, you know, we are a very small company and making sure that we still have sales come in and really sort of go, right, we can't really spend as much anymore because, you know, it's where, where's it going to go? We don't know how this is going to end. Um, but now, actually, I have to say, I have been back in the lab. I am actually already uh, working in the lab now. Uh, so we've been back in uh, some full time uh, doing practical work since October um, because we got some uh, Government Innovate UK money to develop new tools to help uh, people come out of the pandemic as safely as possible. So what we're working on right now is uh, you know, new technologies and tools that are more widely accessible to a wider audience. Beforehand, it was food manufacturing, and now we're looking more into hospitality, front of house areas, even offices and schools opening. So um, we are really focusing on how we can get that product uh, right, not only in the practical level, but also talking to the right people and really opening up our networks and sort of making sure people who could benefit from our products know about us in the first place. As, you know, as a small company, uh, it doesn't mean we have the widest reach. So it's important that we keep doing that. I think I'd forgot, I hadn't quite clocked, you know, that, that there are aspects of of both your organizations which are you know it's very non-office isn't it bethany do you want to come in oh yeah any... i just wanted to add well john just reminded me um one thing i neglected to mention is just how innovative our students have been during the pandemic and how 
adaptable they've been. I mean, it's amazing. They, we started Lambda Lab all on Zoom and they were creating films on their phones in their, in their own homes and apartments based on mm -hmm. texts and then sharing them during kind of online scratch performances. And I mean, I think that's just so impressive and so exciting to see. Because we've had to do the same thing. We're used to doing uh, practical demonstrations, going to sites and having full meetings and going, well, let's go and show it in action and, you know, sort of show our wares in person. So now we've been working on ways to, you know, film it in action. And so we've been doing lots of different um, sort of video techniques to go, look, here it is on Zoom doing the same thing and, you know, trying to find ways to sort of go, it is, you can see it still work and being able to sort of advertise what we're doing. So it's great that your, uh, you know, students have been continually going, oh, well, I'm not going to sort of take this as a time uh, away I'm going to think about how I can do the next thing uh, given the circumstances. Great um, now pandemic let's talk about hopefully the end of the pandemic and John you know I understand Fresh Check you know had an increased interest from emerging markets last summer when the government opened up the economy and uh, how did you find those few months as a business and how are you preparing hopefully, for the uh, opening of the economy shortly again. Yeah, it's uh, so, you know, uh, typically we sell to companies who have before the pandemic been focusing on hygiene. So, for example, it's mostly food manufacturing because if you are making 500 sandwiches a day and you get contamination, that can be very damaging. That's 500 sandwiches that you suddenly go, uh-oh, where I need to go and do a massive recall. This is terrifying. So they have, you know, the utmost care for safety. So for us, that's always been our sort of main market is trying to help them do it in a cheaper and easier and more rapid fashion and being able to keep as safe as possible. But then obviously, as part of the pandemic, uh, that kind of care about what's present on any surface has suddenly become far more interesting to a wider audience. Beforehand, it was, you know, something that people went, oh, I'll give it a clean. But now people are really wanting to be able to, uh, number one, show that they're cleaning well. You know, I'm sure you've seen lots of people advertising how they're cleaning more. And uh, now we are trying to sort of show them that they can actually now advertise and market that in a far easier fashion. Because, you know, we, we aim for Fresh Chick to be easily understood by anyone. You know, it's a simple color change that, you know, unless you're colorblind, and I'm sorry for anyone who is colorblind, um, not as helpful. But, um, you know, we hope that most people can benefit and go, right, well, I understand that if it's purple, I can sit down on this table or I can be safe on this train. And if it goes green, I should probably go, right, I'm going to get the Dettol and give this another clean before I sit down. Um, so, you know, we're trying our best to sort of um, work out how we can frame that and show it in the easiest way possible and really help people to understand um, there is a way to feel safe and confident that when you go back to your office that your keyboard is safe or when your child is going back to school the school is as clean as possible so we're aiming to do that as best as we can uh, going forward and hopefully in the summer holidays we'll have uh, lots of people uh, being able to show and be able to demonstrate their, that you know their restaurant is is safe for customers to come back yeah Bethany, uh, let me know if there are any points you want to respond to that in your next answer. But the question is actually, uh, what are you looking forward to? And this question doesn't quite apply to John, okay? But uh, what are you both most looking forward to coming back, you know, to your offices in Hammersmith and White City? I suppose, John, the question is, you know, when the place gets a bit lively, what are you looking forward to? But over to Bethany first. 
Well, luckily our students have been able to go back already. So, so they are in the building. I mean, you know, with the loads of rules of mask wearing and working in bubbles and having to, you know, socially distance. So it's complicated. Um, there's also the lateral flow testing that happens. So like we, we have a lot of systems in place. Um, but so the main administrative staff are not back on a full-time basis. I think people do pop in once in a while. I haven't been back at all. Um, so I would say the thing I'm most looking forward to coming back with is people really, <laughs> you know, um, it's just seeing people, it's, it's getting audiences back in our building. It's getting, it's seeing our donors, um, but also taking advantage of everything that the borough has to offer. Um, you know, Prima, you've been amazing to make all, all of these introductions, but it'd be so wonderful to see people's facilities to really kind of, um, yeah, just get back into those buildings and, and explore the area again and see the people face to face that we're talking to on Zoom and over the phone and over email. Um, yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, yeah uh, same here. Um, uh, you know, uh, people are opening up here in the, in the lab um, and we're sort of seeing a few sort of uh, well, you know, faces that we remember, um, but obviously the uh, sort of White City campus also has all of the academic side for the chemistry as well. So it's just seeing old faces again and being able to uh, try and bring in the academics again and see sort of students who are interested and try and help them out. We've often tried to, uh, you know, work with work experience placements and try and you know bring people in and nurture that idea that Imperial has of trying to think about you know, it doesn't have to just be academic or research. It doesn't have to just be industry. You can think outside the box and move to other places. So um, it'll be exciting to see just the more, uh, it's, not, it's not not lively here, but, you know, really seeing just everything open up and just being able to sit down in the sort of uh, coffee shops and see everyone chatting away about whatever it might be is, is an exciting part again, uh, versus, you know, masks and two meter distances and sort of, um, yeah, like once in a while the face versus um, just every day, just being able to see and go, hi, how are you? Would be the most exciting thing, I think. Yes, indeed. Um, I mean, picking up on the food point, I can tell you I do miss a particular food outlet which sells brilliant Pakistani food in White City Place. And I really, really hope they're gonna come back. I, I'd like to move on to entrepreneurship in universities. And Bethany, um, I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about the report on entrepreneurship that Lambda is going to publish shortly and perhaps give us a sense of why did you commission the work and what are its key findings, um, how do you aim to implement that, implement them and if you need any type of partners. Sure. Um, yeah, so we worked with um, the Helpin Partnership um, and we commissioned this work um, with the help of the Commercial Education Trust. They funded this research and um, we really wanted to look into how Lambda is or is not supporting uh, the fostering of entrepreneurial mindsets in their students because I think we do see a little bit of a gap between that conventional route, the idea of the conventional route, and then the ability to sort of think outside the box and, um, and apply those skills in different areas and sectors as we were talking about earlier. Um, so the whole, all of the research set out to identify the different pathways that graduates are taking, understand what students need in order to set up and sustain careers in the creative industries, and then to establish the ways that Lambda could support students to develop entrepreneurial skills and encourage them to create their own enterprises. Um, so I think that 
some of our findings are that there is a kind of tension around the word enterprise and entrepreneurship um, amongst creatives because I think they the automatic thought is you know big corporations. So um, so it's about pulling out words that are more comfortable, I think, for this group. Um, but then also fostering this idea. So, I mean, just to give you a few examples, we have, uh, you may have heard of uh, the Mischief Company who are responsible for the play that goes wrong and then all of the spinoffs from that. And so they're quite a big franchise now. And they started at Lambda and they took their clowning um, classes and they turned that into a business. Um, and yet at the same time, we have another graduate, a woman named Libby Penn, who was on our director's course. And she went off to establish um, a CRM system called Spectrix, which is used by loads of different theaters in the city um, uh, as a box office system, as a donor tracking system. Um, so, so yeah, here you have like people who have both gone to Lambda, but just using their skills in, in different ways. Um, so I think that's what we were trying to really pinpoint with this research is how can we talk about the fact that, yes, you can go on and you can create a performance company that's high profile, really successful, uh, but you could also create a kind of piece of technology by using those same skills that you, you had, you learned at Lambda, and that both of those things are equally inspirational, valuable, um, you know, so, so it's just trying to broaden the thinking, I think. And then there's also this other element about developing portfolio careers. And so going like, especially now, I think if that's another thing that the pandemic has really brought to the forefront is going, okay, you may know how to be a performer, but what else can you do? You know, what are the, do you have a skill set? Can you edit films? Can you uh, record audiobooks? Can you, you know, so it's like, we really want our students to be trying everything so that they can hone a few really great skills that then they can go out into the world and and, and apply in different areas. Um, and that will just increase their employability, their own sense of self-worth, um, and probably keep things very interesting for them as well. So um, just to go, yeah, again, it's about, it's, we commissioned the research because we realized that the creative sector is made up of very small businesses and micro businesses. And we just wanna create an environment that supports that mindset. Um, so that's that's where it is. And, and we look forward to publishing the uh, research, hopefully, hopefully in the next month. Hopefully, yes, you know, we get the hopefully bit. John, do, do you want to respond to any of that? And perhaps could you tell us a bit more about your, uh, own experience of entrepreneurship at Imperial, uh, what were the key lessons you have learned and uh, is it possible to teach a student entrepreneurship? Yeah, no, of course. Well, first of all, uh, fantastic to sort of hear the sort of breakdown of how, you know, it's so diverse in terms of CRM management. You wouldn't typically just straight away go, oh yeah, I've done, you know, the, the Lambda course, I've made a CRM tool, but it's really exciting to sort of uh, open up people's sort of creative processes and go, all right, actually, you know what? I prefer this area, but I've learned a lot and I can apply that. So that's a really sort of very exciting thing to hear. Um, and yeah, it's the same in Imperial, I, I would hope. Um, you know, they, they do try very hard to provide, you know, competitions and a support network of ways to make you sort of think about how you can uh, do things other than just spin out your research you know lots of the time when you think of academic research it's 
um, you know, it's owned by a PI who's worked in it for 20 years and you're a small cog in that wider machine and eventually it could get patented and made into a big thing. That's, you know, the traditional aspect of how innovation comes from academic, uh, academia mostly. Um, so Imperial tried really hard and I think successfully have uh, sort of made people think about, no, come on, you've got this wider skill set, sit down and have a, you know, course after, I think for me it was a Tuesday at 6pm to 7pm or 8pm. And it was just going, you know, think about these things, think about, you know, how you're going to apply yourself to different areas and what can you, how can you make this happen? So there was a lot of practical elements of just going, do you know how to pay a pension? And you go, well, no, I don't, but now I do. Thank you very much, Imperial. Uh, but then all, all the way through to, um, you know, uh, being able to go, right, well, you know, this is something for us, for example, we took a, a chemical, bio, biochemical technique that's used in labs and went, well, wait a second, if we tune this round and package it differently and find ways to, you know, improve it or change it, can we apply it to a wider field or a wider audience? And that's where um, the innovation side of things at Imperial really helped to sort of go, you know, foster that idea of how to do it. Because we started with, um, a smart use by date label. So, you know, we, we know they went, what's a problem that you have a, a big issue with? And, you know, being a student on a very small stipend, um, I went, well, I hate it when my food goes off and I haven't eaten it all because I'm, I'm very hungry all the time. So, you know, I, I wanted to find a way to try and marry science and instead of having use by dates that, you know, are printed labels, wanted something that would scientifically tell me whether or not my food had expired. So I knew whether or not it was safe or not. Um, and so that's where we started. That's where Imperial went, right, if you've got an idea, well then join this course and we'll see how you can build it up. And then Imperial had the hack space, which um, we helped set up the bio lab area. Um, so this is back in South Kensington and now it's moved to a massive uh, sort of facility in White City where um, I'd recommend anyone in the local area who just wants to try and tinker with soldering through to um, playing with bacteria, if that's your thing, um, you know, you can go and do that for, for, um, for free. At, uh, at, the, at, the, at the hack space. Um, right now it is a bit locked down, but in general, if you get in touch with the, the right people there, they'll be more than happy to go, right, if you've got an idea, we've made a hack space, do go and tinker. And that's where we started. So it's been, uh, you know, they, they really do try and teach you early on um, at Imperial at the very least. Um, I think you can teach some of it. I think it's, again, it's a wider skill set. It's not just an, a scientific academic thing that you teach. It's just a broader set of tools that should be taught to everyone that sort of, um, you know, fostering innovation and creativity, just trying to think a bit more laterally, which has clearly been done very well at Lambda. And I think it can carry on through to other places as well. And it really should be. Um, and no, it shouldn't be hard. It's just sort of saying, you know, don't just think about what you're doing, think about all the other avenues and directions it could be taken. Um, yeah, I hope it does come through. Um, I actually, I have a question for you, John, but just first quickly, just to go off what you were saying, it's, um, you know, I went to Lambda a very long time ago and um, this initiative doesn't exist anymore, but there was um, a thing called the Deutsche Bank Pyramid Award. And that's when they were partnering with different, um, institutions and trying to help graduates think entrepreneurially and um, so you had this opportunity to write a business plan and uh, for a, an idea for a project that would like, launch your career and I um, 
designed a sort of social change project and I did not win the award. <laughs> but what it did do was it sort of sent me down this road of going, wait a second, like I know how to be a creative practitioner, but I need to learn all the business side of yeah. this work because I want to be able to make my own work. And so mm -hmm. this kind of sent me into this world that I'm in now where I said, okay, well, why don't I go study arts policy and management? Why don't I work in development and fundraising so that I can just have those skills at my fingertips. So I'm mm -hmm. not daunted by doing arts council application or a grants application. I can just write that and, and know how to do it and then yeah. foster my own work. So I think um, you're right. You can, you can teach it, I think, by offering the opportunity to have the penny drop. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, that, that's exactly what I was going to say, actually, is um, I, I don't know how that penny does drop or where it did drop for me and some of my you know, other colleagues. But there is that moment of just sort of going, oh, yeah, like I, I can, you know, I, I've suddenly, you know, I think there's a sort of maybe for more on the sort of startup e community thing you know you often get this idea of silicon valley and jeff bezos and all this kind of you know oh it must be insurmountable it's you know oh, how could i do this but in reality it is actually you know generally quite you know accessible if you have the right sort of community around you so so that was a question you may have already answered it um but you obviously had to have a certain amount of courage to go right i'm gonna now launch a business <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the thing that um, gave you that courage? And I suppose, what advice would you give uh, a Lambda graduate who has the idea of a business, but just feels too, uh, well, just too, feels like they don't know if it's going to yeah, be I'm, I'm not, you know, too insecure about, about where that would take them? Hmm. Um, well, it's been a, for, for me, you know, we started with this sort of accelerator programs that were offered to us through Hackspace and Imperial, et cetera. Um, but, you know, that was sort of learning, you know, how to write the business plan, how to get that together. And it, I think, you know, one of the sort of bits for me is I'm quite a sort of fidgety person. I quite like having a few plates spinning at the same time. You know, I, I don't mind having to go, right, science, no, finance, no, business, no, marketing. Um, it's quite an exciting sort of diverse sort of set of things to do. Um, but, yeah, the way to, I, I think anyone can do it. Uh, when you when you just find a bit which fits because for me personally i don't think everyone would want to be sort of stuck having to do all the finance stuff you know it is a bit of a minutia and chore but that doesn't mean you can't at least access it and you know have an idea as you said people are going to find different fits they're going to find that they want to make a play that's going to become a you know a success and have several spin-offs and other people go no i like the creative field i like drama and arts but i like making crm tools you know and the only way you can experience that is by actually engaging with the whole package at the beginning so um, there are lots of different tools and ways and um, like programs where you are shown all of it and it doesn't mean you have to love all of it but at least you get to see it and then you can engage in that well, I think you, actually you're bringing up a great point. I think um, especially for artists or maybe people who are just graduating and you don't have a lot of uh, resource at your disposal or you're not independently wealthy and you know it does feel very scary. There's something um, in my previous job at a different drama school, uh, we talked about this thing called the effectuation model, which is instead of going, okay, I wanna be, uh, running a hugely commercially successful production company, how do I get there? 
you just mentioned this, it's about what fits. So it's about looking at what do you have right there in front of you? So you're just taking a little bit at a time and, um, and growing something from that. And so you yeah. don't necessarily know what the end product is, but you, you can build a business, you can build an idea just in where you have it, the people and the resources that you mm. have right there. So it kind of, I think, makes that idea of being an entrepreneur so much more accessible yeah no it definitely does that, that's a good way of looking at it is to break it down into chunks you don't yes maybe when you're writing a business plan if you're trying to impress a you know potential investor you you might sort of go right this is the big picture you know in in, in x amount of time this is all this is where we can get to this is how we're going to do it but you know you're not going to be able to say i need 15 million pounds to do that because everyone's going to go mm, okay well call your jets um so instead it's it's going right well i think with this amount of money or this kind of proposal you know if it's a grant application or um you know going to investors you know we've we've had a mixture of you know government grants and uh, private investing to sort of help us move forward um and it is just sort of trying to sell a you know bring in the right story for the right time you know you don't want to go crazy but you do want to be able to go right like i i think one of the big things that really kept me going and thinking, yes, we can do this, was just recognition from the right people, whether it be an advisor or someone who's in the course going, well, you've done well, or, you know, you do well in a competition. You don't necessarily come first, but you're, you're still a finalist. It still makes you go, right, well, I must be doing something right because I got this far and just keeping that sort of going forward. But, you know, it, it's that proof of people going, you know, even if you're, you're going to have crisis of faith, and I'm sure you have as well, where you go, well, what am I, what am I doing? This is a startup. Am I going to do this? I'm only, you know, there's only two of us. Can I really do this? And then someone goes, no, we're going to help you. And you go, right, well, okay, I'll take that as again as a boost of confidence and keep moving forward. And I think having that aspect of having the right people around you, which I, I guess is a part of networking, it's having, you know, people who can aid you and keep you keep your moving forward at the right times when you need it as well. Thank you. So my question for you is, if you look at what the, the networks you have in your life, how have you benefited from networks, which have been the good ones? And you know, as somebody who's part of the ecosystem, what do we need to implement to see more of to have an inclusive innovation district where, you know, there are opportunities on your doorstep, you can actually participate. We're not building a beautiful castle and a moat around it. I mean, I think the most successful thing about a network is, I mean, very much on what we were just discussing. It's about going, I'm willing to have a conversation with anybody without knowing what that outcome is going to be or without having a planned outcome. I mean, sure, you can have some ideas, but I think it's about really being open-minded and, and allowing those conversations to spark ideas. Um, and, you know, and it's also in networks, not just about what I'm going to get out of it. It's about how I can help other people. So I think the kind of reciprocal mindset um, and open-mindedness, um, most networks, especially this network that you're building in West London is just very, very exciting. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting more people. 
Yeah, no, I have I have to agree. Sometimes, uh, you know, I think there's different styles of networks. There's sort of, you know, funding networks, there's social networks, there's startup networks, there's, you know, lots and lots of different ways of doing it. And any event where you are just, as, as Bethany said, when you're just talking to someone and you don't even know what they're doing at the time and you start to slowly build that up, it's just quite an interesting uh, journey. Um, for us, uh, the network at Imperial is, well, here in the, the iHub or the Translation Innovation Hub has been, you know, fantastic because you've got all these different companies ranging from us size of three people through to 30 odd strong doing five different projects at the same time. But being able to access them and sort of just have general chats and go, right, well, what are you doing today? And they go, oh, I'm thinking about doing this and being able to add your sort of idea to that and then being able to add their idea to what you're doing is always just really good, especially when you're a, you know, a small team like us. And then all the way through to, you know, the, the network at um, the Hackspace, the network at, um, or even the food tech network, you know, that's where we primarily operate into. So, you know, being able to talk to some, you know, we've done lots of competitions with like Rabobank and Food Bites, and uh, that led me on to doing a TED talk. And, you know, just, you, you end up in ridiculous places if you just allow yourself to, have a conversation and you don't know where it's going to take you. So it's far more exciting than, um, you know, not networking, I guess is the right answer. Um, Bethany, do you want to come in on any of those points? If not, my question for the next bit is how much did you know about each other's organizations at the start of the podcast? And what's your greatest takeaway from what you've heard? So Bethany. Uh, yeah, just to go off um, John there a little bit. Uh, I agree. I, I was a member of, a, I am a member of a funding network and the early days of my career that just provided me with such a sanity check. <laughs> I mean, it made me feel like, oh my God, I'm not the only person experiencing this problem. So that's where I think networks can be super useful. And right now I'm involved with the knowledge exchange network, um, which is, this is a new area for me. So um, that's helping quite a lot too. So yeah, I think you know, there's the kind of ones where you hope something will spark and then there's the other ones that can really uh, just ground you and make you feel more confident, confident in your work. Um, but in terms of how much I knew about uh, Fresh Check before, I mean, I looked on, obviously I did my research before the podcast, but um, no, it's been really incredible to hear the backstory and, and what uh, made you interested in that work and how you've um, developed it and, and how you're trying to reach other people and actually how the pandemic has probably uh, supported you in many ways in terms of the growth of your business. I, I, I find that really fascinating. And, and also I think, you know, even just speaking with you, John, that I do see scope for collaborations between Lambda graduates and, you know, art artists in, in your work and how, you know, to help promote what you're doing. So um, yeah, I'm really interested. It's been fascinating yeah i i have to entirely agree even uh just, just a conversation around how uh you know what you're teaching uh your students is just so married into my previous experience and what is going on right now and you know it's too different you know what to traditionally you say art is the opposite of science and it's really not there is so much um middle ground that is you know a lesser trodden path and really should be more married together there is an importance of both sides that both both sectors can bring together and that's a really important thing to nurture and 
definitely can see um, future work. And what Lambda is doing, I, I went to the website and just went, that, that's a lot of stuff. You know, you've got a lot of, a lot of things going on. It's really exciting to see, um, you know, it's, it's just a really exciting uh, thing that you guys are doing. And uh, yeah, I hope it goes really well. And I look forward to hopefully working in the future with you guys, for sure. We're gonna do the last kind of question, which is um, in, previous, uh, in the previous podcast, I'd asked people if they would hug a, panda or a penguin and the penguin never won so i i've given up on doing pandas and penguins because most people think penguins are wet um so we're now doing word association i say a word uh bethany responds and then john responds and this is first thing so don't do not think too much about it so cat dog penguin innovation district creativity hubs spring Summer. Sun. Right, and the sun is actually shining now. We've finished this uh, podcast. And I just say thank you so much for being, you know, the first guest on um, our new series, uh, Bethany and John. It's been a, I think it's been good fun. And I hope you've uh, found it a interesting and enjoyable experience. That's all from us. So thank you both of you today for your time. Thank, yeah, you. thank you so much. Yeah, it's been really exciting. Sorry, sorry, Bethany. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, thank you, Prima. It's been lovely and so nice to meet you, John. And I hope that we get to stay in touch. And you, definitely. And thank you, thank you again, Prima. Really been a very exciting uh, podcast today. Thank you. <laughs>